Join the big show at the warehouse on Thursday from 2 to 7 at 86 East University Parkway in Orm. Price is slow low. It'll blow your mind. Boom! All right, coming up in about seven minutes, Joe Ingalls Zoom teleconference and PK. It's always fun to have teleconferences uh, broadcast live. It doesn't matter if it's our local deal or someone else's local deal or if it's a national deal. Uh, sometimes it can be unintentional comedy, and people don't always cover themselves in glory. So who knows what we're about to get by way of the questions. Sometimes they're on point and they're, they're awesome. Yes, other times, there's a preamble and a preface, and people get all tied in knots. There's a Zoom conference recently that I was on. Somebody was ordering at a drive through during said Zoom conference without their mute on. Uh-oh. <laughs> That's kind of funny. <laughs> you never really know what you're going to get. So we'll find out what we're really going to get in about seven minutes from uh, from Joe talking. And I assume that as we get closer here, there will be a, a little more basketball to this. And uh, I'll be intrigued to hear if uh, his take on some of the other teams, if he's so inclined to, to go there, if he gets asked about some of these other teams. And we're seeing Avery Bradley out with the Lakers, so that, that's probably a, uh, a big one right there. Although for the Jazz, Thunder, Nuggets, Rockets, probably one of those three teams in the first round of the playoffs. Yes. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, and I'm excited for it, man. I you, I insist, I said this on television on Sunday, that people saying, well, I've learned to live without whatever sport, whatever it is that you've learned to live without when it comes to sports, and that's great, but I already knew I could live without it. <laughs> the thing that I've, I haven't found, it's not like I've discovered it, but the, the absence of it has made me miss them, not just it, but them even more, and I'm super excited for the return. I want it back. I want it back way more than I thought. Oh, and I already know because I'm not a guy who gets caught up in winning and losing. Winning and losing usually really, that's completely secondary to me. It's the act of the competition that I enjoy very much of men and women competing against each other, whether it's an individual sport or a team sport, and to see who prevails. That's the fun part. The actual prevailing whoever it might be of the individual or team really doesn't matter to me that much uh but this is what i'm missing i'm starving for the level of competition i have watched all three weeks of these golf tournaments and there's no way i would have been doing that normally now obviously if it's a major or if it's say it's a phoenix open or something or the west coast stuff when we're it's in the winter at that point so we're not outside as much i watch them but the tournaments in the summer uh, I know they're in Detroit this week. You know, I know that they started in Texas and then they went to South Carolina and now they're in Detroit. There's no way I would have been able to know that unless this is not, uh, if this is a normal situation because I'm focused on other stuff. But without it, I mean, I'm really anticipating the return. And I would love to get to the point where we're actually talking about. Uh, did you see that move that James Harden did? Oh, my gosh. He traveled four times, and they didn't call it. They only called it once, you know? All the stuff that we talk about that we go on and on about. LeBron with these just uh, superhuman plays that he's able to pull off during the course of a game. All that stuff. Even the, the nonsense on the refereeing is fun to me. Well, I think you're about to get it. 29 days now until uh, until go time, and, and less than that until the teams go down there. Uh, so 
We're almost we're almost there. I'm with you. It's when I'm at Channel Two on the weekend, and I'm used to looking up and seeing you know there's the four TVs on the wall over there, and there's four games going on, and uh, dialing one of them up on my desk, and it is it is odd now to see poker, uh, a car show, a documentary that I've already seen 17 times. I mean, there's just a little Korean baseball. That's where it started, right? Korean baseball. PGA golf, then some European soccer, but let's face it, most of our time is spent watching baseball, football, and basketball. When do we get baseball, football, and basketball? Yeah, and for me, part of my line of thinking is if we don't have these sports now, there's no way we're going to have my beloved college football. And that really is a massive blow. I've literally never had. We've had times where we haven't had NBA basketball, we haven't had NFL football, we haven't had MLB baseball. Because of, lab- of labor. Because of labor. Where they're supposed to be playing. But we haven't had times where we haven't had our college football. We haven't. None, none, nothing unless, unless I'm missing something, nothing that I'm aware of. You know, maybe a week with, uh, with the 9-11 mm-hmm. situation. Uh, but that was it. And that was such a crazy situation that nobody cared at that point, and it was so temporary. But to not have that, oh my gosh, especially in our community, our community ranks, you know, you put our community in the West, and it's as good as anybody. Now, you go in the other parts of the country, in the Big Ten, and Notre Dame, and the Southeast, that's another story. But I've been to every venue that there is to be in in the West, and our community along this Wasatch Front, as far as the passion for college football, I think ranks, ranks right there with anybody in, in the West. Absolutely. The Southeast is beyond control, <laughs> you know, which is why they, they cheat like crazy because it's just virtually win at all costs. But as far as on our side of the country, this community here, can its passion for college football, as I've seen firsthand, is right there with anybody's. I did read uh, something, uh, a couple of follow-up stories. We were talking about uh, Under Armour trying to get out of the contracts with UCLA and Cal. And one of the stories specifically mentioned, um, actually more than one of the stories, I think now, has specifically mentioned that that probably won't happen with, the, with Utah because they're not getting nearly as much cash. Um, the, they, they put out the value of the contract, but some of it's in cash and then some of it's in the various apparel, right? Whatever clothes, the t-shirts and the hoodies and the practice gear and the uniforms and on down the line. And so Utah doesn't have much cash in it and Utah's got a lot more passion around its program. Cal has less cash, less passion, or more cash, less passion, and UCLA has way more cash and way less passion. Yep. So so what we're seeing with UCLA and, uh, and Cal is unlikely to spend to Utah. And now, you know who it was who I was reading? I think it was John Canzano uh, in Oregon who was writing about that, who mentioned that. That's the fr- I may have seen it more than that, but that was the first place. That yeah, I, I know saw what you're it. talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I saw it. All right. Uh, time to drop in now on Joe Ingalls, the Zoom teleconference streaming live. And even though I did a perfect talk up to 8.15, it turns out I wasn't timed out quite so perfectly. So it might be 8.16 or 17, and then we'll get to Joe Ingalls. All right. Uh, but that was interesting. Kanzano's all over. And of course, Nike's right there in the backyard. So his story broke down, uh, you know, the other schools in the conference and who they have deals with. And it, it just made it clear that there, you know, there's a power five and group of five, but then inside of there, there's, you know, there's different levels. And he was making the point that Oregon, USC, and Washington 
are not going to have this issue. They've got the value, and obviously they're working with different companies too. Um, but his point was, uh, the other companies have their eye on this. They're not in the same situation as Under Armour, but they've got their eye on it. Uh, but that Oregon and uh, Washington and USC, they're, they're delivering the value. They've got the passion. Yeah, I would think with everything you said, it's obvious and it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and he also said that Oregon State was okay, that Nike isn't going to uh, not take care of Oregon State and take care of Oregon. That would be bad politics in their backyard. Oh, in the state? Yeah, I can see yeah. that too. Yeah. Even the Oregon people who view Oregon State as little brother don't want to see them dry up. Right, exactly. All right, so Joe is apparently uh, sitting down there doing a little uh, welcome, explaining what's going on, a little setup here, waiting for a couple more people to join. Then we'll get to the uh, the Joe Ingles Zoom teleconference. We've got Andy Bailey, who covers the Jazz for Forbes.com and the NBA for Bleacher Report. We had him scheduled for 8.30. We bumped him back to 9, so we can go. If Joe goes 20 minutes here, we'll be fine. And uh, we'll be able to let you listen to the entire thing as, as Joe speaks with the masses here. And then we've got Brandon Huffman, national recruiting editor for 24-7 Sports, is going to join us at 9.30, talk about the Utes getting a running back out of uh, Tampa and what it means for the recruiting class. Uh, the Utes not always getting the most love, although as PK pointed out earlier this morning, getting a little more love, getting a little better ranked within the Pac-12, but still usually their results outstrip their ranking. So we'll talk with him about that. Okay, Yach says Joe Ingles is ready. So here's Joe Ingles with the local media on the uh, Zoom teleconference. <laughs> uh, long time no see. So we're going to go ahead and just get started now with questions. Again, it's 10 minutes. Um, so Strictly 10 minutes. It's 10 minutes. <laughs> so uh, don't worry, I'll be setting the timer. Um, and we'll just do our best to get through everybody. Um, I think we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, we'll actually start with Tony Jones. Uh, good morning, Joe. Um, Maybe not driving. What, um, parked on the side of the street. <laughs> <laughs> so my question is, uh, with with Bojan now, what, what role do, do you and Mike play and you know, how important is that? Are you two guys going to be going forward? And is, is that something, a source of pressure for you, for lack of a better, for, for lack of a better term? Um, I mean, definitely not the pressure part. I, I'm not going to um, kind of go into a game now and feel like I've got to try and be Boyan or, or try and score like Boyan does or, or whatever it is. Um, obviously, it, it opens up a lot of minutes. Um, he he was he played a lot of minutes. He um, averaged a lot of points for us. He was obviously a, a high level scorer. So, um, which obviously means there's a, a few shots open um, and obviously some some minutes. So I think it'll be shared around. I don't think any of us are gonna. I don't think anyone's going into this thinking that I have to do what he was doing or Mike has to do what he was doing. I think um, it def- definitely gives us more opportunity. Um, and uh, I think. Probably Michael will take a lot of that, uh, which I think he's he's ready for and excited for. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be a collective kind of effort. But um, in saying that, obviously, he, he's still a big piece to, to miss going into this kind of last whatever's going on from here on out. <laughs> hey, uh, next question will be from Eric Weldon. Eric? Hey, Joe, nice to see you. You too. Uh, 
So when last we spoke, when this when this bubble concept was just kind of a vague idea, um, you know, you expressed some reservations about it. You've obviously since said that, uh, you know, you're willing to support your teammates. You'll do whatever. But now that it's kind of a reality, how are you feeling about uh, the the bubble idea in general? What's your comfort level with it? Um, I mean, probably not still 100% kind of comfortable or, or anything. Um, I don't really think anyone would be 100%. I don't know. I mean, obviously, what, what we see in here, we, we've had a lot of meetings, a lot of talks, and, and they've filled us in. We had one yesterday with the NBA that was um, pretty informative, just giving us a bit more information on how things will work. Um, to say that I'm, like, completely comfortable, I don't think – I mean, I'm definitely not, but I'm going to obviously put myself in, in a position to, to be as safe as possible. I'm going to spend a lot of time in my room with my coffee machine and get to know it very well. and. Um, Obviously, like I said, I'm I'm going to go. I'm going to play with my team, support my team, and, and obviously we're going to do what we can to 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 get as far as we can. But um, yeah, I think it's it's tough when you're relying on obviously not just yourself to be smart about things, but you're relying on so many other people. So um, not that I don't trust everyone, but it, it's just uh, a lot of it out of is out of my control as well. So um, like I said, I'll control what I can control and be as kind of smart with, with the things that I can do. Um, and then hopefully that puts our team and, and, and everyone else there in a, in a reasonably safe position. Okay. Uh, next question will be Ben Anderson, KSL sports. Hey Joe, kind of along those lines, what point did you feel comfortable coming back? How close did you get to not coming back? Well, at the start, I think it was, um, well, I obviously did had, had said I wasn't comfortable at all, and and obviously with with not knowing anything of uh, about it, uh, like I mean, we really didn't know anything. It was a, a pretty new thing, and um, obviously for me, and which I couldn't say back then as well. But with Renee being pregnant, um, and with my son Jacob with uh, the autism and his um, his immune system being kind of compromised, um, it was just a scary time, I think, for everybody. And um, adding those things on top of that, there was there was no way at that point I would have. If they said we were coming back in two weeks' time, there would, there would have been no no way I would have gone. And um, I think obviously, I've, I think Renee was saying yesterday we're at like hundred and something days of kind of since that happened, and um, we know a lot more. We we know what obviously I can do myself, like I said, to be to be safe and and put myself in a good position and. Um, I think that one of the scarier parts is is once this is all over, going back to my family and, and not having symptoms or something like that and, and taking it back. So um, going back will be be something I'm very cautious with as well. But um, obviously, as like I said, the, the, as time's gone on, I've, I've kind of um, felt more comfortable. Um, like I said, the NBA has been good with, with keeping us um, kind of yeah, whatever the word is, in tune with what's kind of going on and what the protocols are going to be. And we had a, like I said, we had one yesterday that was probably a bit more informative where obviously we're getting to a week or whatever until we, we leave. So, um, yeah, like I said, I'm just going to do everything in my power to, to, to be as smart as I can. Okay. Uh, next question will be Jeff Ramier. Jeff? Yeah, good morning, Joe. Hey, uh so much uncertainty about what's going on everywhere. Uh, when you guys get down to Orlando, is there any way of predicting what's going to happen? I'm talking about on the court 
with how teams will react and play, and you like your team's chances going down there even without Bogey. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, for the, the second part, I do like our team's chance. I think um, obviously I only know what our team has been doing. Um, I haven't spoken to, to too many other people except a, a couple of the other Australians. But um, you, you, yeah, I mean, I, I know our guys have been working. Um, I know our guys will have put themselves in in positions. Obviously, we haven't been allowed to practice as a team or anything like that. So it's um, still a little unknown how it all pieced together, but. We'll obviously come back when we can as a group and we have got to figure out um, obviously the Boyan stuff and, and how we figure kind of um, pick up where, where the things that, that he does well. And um, in terms of other teams, you just don't know. That's, um, I guess, kind of one of the cool things about doing it is if teams haven't been taking care of themselves individually or as a team, then um, you can really get a kind of jump on, on a team. So, um, yeah, I feel like we'll be ready. Um I obviously feel like that a lot of other teams will be ready too, but, but there's obviously going to be some um, some players or some teams that, that either didn't think it was happening or, or hadn't been working as hard. So um, at the end of the day, obviously we, we hope that everyone stays healthy and, and injury free and that's a, it's a good way to finish the season and um, the Jazz get crowned the champions would be nice. Okay. Uh, next question will be Kareem, or sorry, Andy Larson. Hey Joe, uh, you mentioned you were talking with you know your Australian group earlier. Um, kind of curious, like what your guys' thought is on being in the U.S. during all this versus kind of being at home, and, and obviously there are spiking cases here, and, and kind of some of the, the the testing and just the the general I don't know the confidence and and I guess sense of danger you feel being being here right now. Yeah, it's I mean it's it's definitely harder not being home. Um, We'd looked into to multiple options of, of trying to get Renee home while we go, or at the start when we didn't know what was happening, trying to get all of us home. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, getting on a plane with 400 strangers wasn't a, um, <laughs> a thing that we really wanted to, to kind of risk um, with, with what I was saying with, with Renee's pregnancy and, and Jacob and stuff like that. So um, it's definitely hard when you're in quarantine and, You've got no immediate family or, or Renee, Renee's parents are all, always with us or with the kids and to not have them around in a, in a time like this is, is tough. So um, we've looked at, well, we did look into to Renee going back herself while we're gone um, with the kids to, to be with family, but um, Australia is on a pretty strict um, kind of quarantine and all that. So it would be, be a lot of effort and, and really tough for her to get back. She's got to quarantine in a hotel for two weeks if she flew back with two four-year-olds, which for anyone that has kids is um, a living nightmare. So, um, yeah, it's been – it definitely has been harder than probably what it would have been if we could have been home in our own house and, and with family and friends or whatever. But, um, yeah, we've, we've, we're lucky we um, – I've got a good support here. The Jazz have been awesome. The NBA has been good. And we've just kind of grinded through this like everyone else has. And I think at the end of the day, I, you sit back and, and obviously realize that we are in a, in a, still in a, a lot better position than a lot of other people. So, um, yeah, we've, we've made done with, with what we've had to do. And, um, yeah, getting kind of excited to get back to some sort of normalcy going and, and playing again, practicing. Okay. Our next question is from Kareem Copeland, Washington Post. Kareem. 
Hey, what's up, Joe? I just wanted to do one more um, about the decision. What were the conversations like with Renee, considering, you know, the kids and her situation? Because, you know, that's kind of been, you know, one of the biggest decisions for everybody just with kids. That's been a big deciding factor. How'd you guys get to that point? Um, she was probably a lot more <laughs> confident in me playing than, than I was myself. And, and not, not in terms of my fitness or, or anything like that, but just... Um, I mean, from from the day I've met her, she's always pushed me to 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 go and play, and missing out on things with the kids, and and leaving early, coming home later, so that I can can prepare or recover or, or go and shoot before a game or whatever it is. So, um, I guess she was probably adamant that I was going to play. Um, I, I try to keep it, um, I guess, as real as possible, and and keeping the options of of not playing open because I just what we weren't. So especially at the start of it with so much um, unknown about it, I wasn't going to just dive into it and, and, and go and risk. Um, like I couldn't, at this point, at that point, you, I wouldn't have cared anything about basketball. It was about my family and my children and stuff like that. So um, yeah, at the start, there was, there was obviously big concerns. And I, like I said, I think over this time, we've, we've seen a lot. We've seen that obviously individuals themselves can, you can really protect yourself if you're, if you're smart about it. And, and we haven't left home much in this hundred and something days it's been. And um, yeah, so I think over time and um, with the support of, of obviously Renee kind of wanting me to go and, and do my job and, and do what I love to do. And um, the hardest part for me is, is going to be leaving him for a couple of months. Um, we were literally just talking of, I think it's minimum like seven, eight weeks we'll be gone for. Um, which will be the longest I've, I've been away from, from my kids. So um, there'll be a few days in there that I'll be very grumpy because it's the kid's birthday while we're away and, and a couple other things that, that I'll miss. But um, I'll make sure everyone knows those dates because if you come near me, you'll probably get a, a rude awakening. But no, it's just going to be – it'll be tough. But um, like I said, I, I want to go and play. I want to support my team. I want to do the best for, for the jazz that I can. And um, hopefully we get as far as we can. Thank you. Cool. We're going to squeeze one last question in. It'll have to be kind of quick. Uh, Tim Reynolds, AP. Tim. Thanks, Joe, for doing this. I know you guys are still in this kind of this unusual spot where you're in the gym, but you're not practicing. You're doing the individual stuff. How, how crucial are the next few days just to sort of just keep this build up going? I mean, you're four weeks away from playing and you're still a full week away from really practicing. How, how critical is the work that's coming up starting, you know, that's been going on and is going to continue individually for the next week or so? Yeah, it's, uh, it's super important. I think um, we've had conversations within our team about this weekend too. Obviously, July 4 here is a, um, a celebration day and usually I'm pretty sure everyone gets with family and friends and I would have a couple of quiet beers and, and enjoy myself. But um, you don't want to ruin, like you said, what you've done for really since probably a couple of weeks after we got back from OKC, we kind of got programs and started to to just slowly get back into it. And I mean, obviously getting a positive test kind of from now to the next week or two will really ruin not only your chances to play, but but if you're a big part of your team, you're, you're really hurting your team as well. So um We've all put in, like I said before, a lot of work individually um, at home in, in the gym now, obviously, that we can get in. And um, it would be sad to, to kind of ruin it, um, kind of ruining it, doing something silly or or not being smart about something or going to a grocery store and not protecting yourself or, or whatever it is. So I think um, 
especially this next couple of weeks until we kind of get to the bubble and get situated there and still don't know how much of a bubble it is. I think there's a few holes poked in the bubble, but um, yeah, that till we get there, get situated. Um, it's a really crucial time. I think if you test positive now, it's what a couple of weeks of quarantine and then to build your fitness back up. And, and there's been word of, if you do get positive, um, there's no physical activity for a little while in that 14 days. So you, you're really pushing yourself back and, and you're probably looking at three, four, five weeks before you're back to, to kind of where you are now. So um, yeah, really important time right now. And hope if my teammates are listening, they put a, uh, their July 4 parties on hold. I'll throw a party once we get back for them. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Joe. Okay. Well, this has been great. Thanks to all right, there's Joe Ingles. Listen to him, the uh, live stream of his teleconference. PK, I guess that's the first time I've heard anyone really put the numbers on it, and I assume he got that from the coaches and or the, the Jazz training staff that a positive test can sideline you for two weeks, but five weeks before you play your best basketball. So no 4th of July parties. We heard about Memorial Day parties and all the problems those cause. So I don't imagine Joe just came up with that on his own. My guess is... That message is going out loud and clear, probably to lots of NBA teams right now. No July 4th parties? No July 4th parties. No pool parties with a gazillion people breathing all over each other. I thought pool parties. I thought chlorine takes care of it. If you're in the water, but if you're sitting on the deck yammering with somebody. Then jump in the water. <laughs> it doesn't work quite Come like join that. me in the pool. We'll have a nice chat. DJ PK. Andy Bailey, coming up, covers the Utah Jazz for Forbes.com and the NBA for Bleach Report. He joins us at the top of the hour on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Ow! Basketball is back. The Zone Sports Network is keeping you up on all the latest news with the Utah Jazz and the NBA. This is a back-to-basketball update. Oh, he never looked at the net! Presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Three New Orleans Pelicans players have tested positive for the coronavirus. Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations David Griffin told reporters Griffin declined to identify the players, citing privacy laws, but added the players are in isolation. The positive test came when players returned to the team facility last week. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver says he remains pretty confident about the NBA's plan to safely resume play, but admitted that a COVID-19 outbreak in the NBA could bring the league to a halt again. And according to reports, the NBA is considering delays in broadcasts slightly in order to censor out foul language or trash talking that might be caught on microphones without the fans in attendance. This is your Back to Basketball update presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Jay Hill, head coach at Weber State. How hard is it to have a positive attitude through some of this? Oh, it's still football, right? If you get down in the dumps and you start worrying about all the crap that's going on and you start playing the oh, poor me game, then your player's going to do it too. And probably you're going to get your butt kicked this fall. So we just go about our business knowing that everybody else is in the same boat. It's not like they're getting way ahead of us. And you just deal with the punches you get thrown and just roll with it, right? I mean, there's I nothing it. else you can do. Hanson Scotty, weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you in part by Action Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Spring into action now. 
Mention this ad and receive $33 off any service. Call Action today at 801-833-3333. That's 801-833-3333. Well, we just heard from Joe Ingles. More optimism there, PK, and a ton more questions about what is going to happen when they have to play without the scoring in an era when shooting and scoring means so much. What's going to happen? Joe's been pretty consistent. You know, what's going to happen when they're out there playing and they don't have Bogdanovich, his 20 points a game, the six or seven three-pointers he's going to shoot every night, making a high percentage of them. And you keep hearing the name Mike Conley, but you got to spread it around. And I just keep thinking, if Conley's going to be Bogdanovich, which might be a big ask, but just supposing that he's going to be that or close to that, who's going to provide what Conley provided? It's going to take multiple guys stepping up here because just one isn't going to be enough. Well, everybody raises it up a little bit, but I think it starts with Conley. If Conley doesn't raise his game beyond what he's played, then it doesn't matter because the other guys are not going to raise their game that much more to compensate. It's got to come from Conley as the starter, and then everybody else follows suit. So Mike has got to play better. He's got to make more baskets. It's as simple as that. The ball's got to go in the basket more. And, and I don't want to hear that, well, you know, his drive from uh, his home to the practice facility was different. And so his routine is off. All right. I dealt with that for five, six months. But everybody's routine is off now. <laughs> so that, that there's not one person whose routine is the same as it's been for 10 years, however long they've been in the league. So we dealt with that during the winter and early part of the season. All right, we're done with that now. I don't want to hear it anymore because every single person in Orlando, no one is under the same routine. In fact, they've never been in anything close to this for this long. You know, basically, aside from some international competition where you have an uh, Olympic campus or whatnot, uh, maybe they've done that uh, a little bit, but not to this degree. We're like this. So the routine spiel, I better not hear that, and I don't think I will. And I don't want to hear about the scheduling, because that's not going to matter. You know, all, that, all that stuff is out. Now, this is why I'm excited about it, because it comes down to basketball. You know, unless there's some extreme health situations, and we'll encounter those as they come or if they come. But as far as the basketball goes, you're playing hoop. You're out there. This is what you're there for. There's very little opportunity to do much else. So in that way... It's going to be, maybe you can agree that it's a truer form of competition. You don't have to worry about fans. You don't have to worry about travel, blah, 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 blah. You're just out there playing ball. So I think it starts with Conley, and then it goes down the list. And then then Joe's got to raise it up a little bit. Yang's got to raise it up a little bit. Clarkson, uh, Moutier should get more time relative to the time he had been getting of late before the season stopped uh, when they were fully healthy. So then can they do that? I still insist that with or without Bogdanovich, they could achieve the level that they were going to achieve. Uh, yeah, if you think that they were going to go out in the second round, they could still win a playoff series and go out in the second round. For the people who are thinking that they were going to go to the conference final, that, that seems like a pretty big ask to me. But we got this wild card that you just referred to of everyone's out of their comfort zone. It's not normal. There is no routine to this. Maybe they got a small taste of this playing in Olympic Games or in a world championship where 
okay, you're isolated in some foreign country, but but even those competitions tend to run in the three-week range, not three months. So it's a different deal. You know, Conley, you know, if, if you go back and break down his season month by month, from the 1st of February on, you know, and he had that stretch where he was out in December, January, from the 1st of February on, he shot like 44% from three. Now, that's not an enormous stretch of games, but it's not nothing. You know, that's like a 13-game sample. So that's more than 10% of the season. Now, it's a 13-game run, but they got an eight-game run here and then the playoffs, you know, 13 games, you'll be game five of the first round at that point. So he shot 44%. That's a pretty good clip. If he comes in and gives them that, then... I think you look to the other guys and who else is picking up a little bit because if he's shooting 44% in Florida, that question's pretty much answered. For, 44% answered. from three. He shouldn't a little I think more he'll than be that fine. The floor. Yeah. I think he can score 20 points a game. <laughs> I don't really think that that's an issue. I think he can score 20 points a game. He's done it a million times over. I believe in the guy's talent. He was averaging in that February-March stretch, he was averaging 16.5 points a game. So to get to 20, you know, one or two more shots, maybe another trip to the free throw line. You know, uh, David Locke always comes on and talks about usage, right? Well, Bogdanovich is getting a lot of shots. So those shots are going to be distributed. Moving 16.5 to 20 points a game, I don't, that's not outrageous. You know, if, if he picks it up where he left off in February and March, that's, that's actually right in the ballpark. When you consider the Bogdanovich, Bogdanovich's shots, you know, Joe ought to get a couple. Conley ought to get uh, two or three of those. Donovan Mitchell's going to get a couple of them. You know, whoever's getting more time off the bench uh, will be picking up more. Maybe it'll be Niang or whoever. This is a great time for him to just go out and play and be loose. And as long as he's healthy, I think he will. I think he'll be just fine. That's why he's the number one reason why I say whatever the Jazz could have achieved with Bogdanovich, they can achieve without. Because I don't think we've seen the real Mike Conley consistently. And I think we will in Orlando. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you in part by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. Early in the show, we were discussing Morgan Scally and PK, you think we're getting near a decision here? I do, yeah. Yeah, I think it's got to be by the start of the season. And so they're looking to get going here sometime later this month. This is July now, as crazy as that sounds. Nevertheless, that's true. (laughs) And we are in July. July 1st. Welcome to it, people. As Scotty G just tweeted out, six months down, six months to go in 2020. That NCAA six-week plan is supposed to open up July 11th for Utah. Yeah, right. So with that in mind... It makes sense that they're they're that we're down to ten days or so. Yeah, and they've had several weeks now, right? It's three or four weeks. Correct. Yeah. So the reaction we got from people this morning raised uh, uh, reached from one end of the spectrum to another. Uh, people who think that uh, you know it was 
it was a long time in the past, and the players that have been on the air or have been quoted, uh, The Athletic had a really good story Chris Camerani put together. And we Phenomenal had story. Great yeah. piece of sports journalism. And uh, the players there, and there were players who were critical of Morgan, and yeah. they were critical of the way he behaved and the way he communicated, but... Despite the fact they were critical, they didn't want to see him lose their job, and they made a point of saying that, several of them unprompted. I, well, in our radio interviews, some of them were unprompted. I don't know uh, you know, how the questioning and the back and forth went with Chris uh, for his story or other people for the work they've done. But I haven't seen people demanding his job, which makes me think he's got a chance to keep it. But we did have a caller say, hey, you got to look at this in the bigger picture of the negative publicity that the U.S. had, especially with Lauren McCluskey's killing and the way that was handled and the way it was handled with the cops and the stuff that came out subsequently, that they don't have wiggle room and they're going to have to be seen as, as tougher. And I hadn't really considered that. I guess you can't rule it out. You know, nothing happens in a bubble. So there's probably something to be said for that. Uh, but you brought up a point of a huge pay cut a possible demotion, but more importantly, a huge pay cut. Yeah, to me, that that's a heck of a penalty in going along with those directions. And that, that sends a strong message that, uh, you know, you're going to be on a really, really short leash. And as part of that uh, situation, we're going to reduce your pay 40%, 50%, whatever the percentage is. Uh, it's up to them. I mean, that that's a blow because most, most people – Whatever money you make, that's the lifestyle that you lead, and then all of a sudden have to make an adjustment on the fly. Uh, that that would be difficult. I th- I think that would send a powerful message. But I I got to come clean here. I'm fully biased. I don't want this man to lose his job whatsoever. Not not at all. Known him for years. Think the world of him. I told him that uh, after this thing went down, and so that I'm looking for a way for him to keep his employment. And to me. That's a way to keep his employment. And I'm not making any decisions here. I'm just offering my opinion as someone who I admire. Well, I think one really interesting question, and I don't have the answer to this, but there's titles on every campus, right? There's always a football coach, there's always an AD, and there's always a president or a chancellor. But who has the power in those situations varies a lot from campus to campus. And so... Who is really driving this? Who is calling the shots? Is the power split evenly one-third, one-third? Is the president sitting on 90% of the decision-making? Is the, is the coach, is the AD? I'm not clear on that, and I guess you'd have to know that before you're predicting how this could play out. Well, I think it rests with the president of the university, but like most people, I would think when they're in positions of authority, you don't make unilateral decisions. You seek input from those people that you work with and those people whom you trust, or it doesn't even necessarily, as I say, those people who you trust doesn't necessarily mean those who you work with. You've built up relationships throughout your professional life. I'm sure this lady, President Watkins, has done that and so she will have all this consultation plus they're hiring a firm to uh, reveal all these facts to her to give them and Mark Harlan the opportunity to see this situation hopefully it's in its entirety not just a sliver here or there but to see everything that's why you're doing people you're, you're hiring people who are professionals to come in and do this type of stuff and so they present the conclusions, and then you have it laid out before you. 
All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Andy Bailey covers the Utah Jazz for Forbes.com and the NBA for Bleacher Report, and he's going to join us next.